Hello, welcome to Sport and Life with myself, Teddy Draper, sports broadcaster in the UK. Thank you for hitting on the button. I hope you're well. Thank you to the sponsors as ever. Chief sponsor of the podcast, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. I played football again with Jason last night, although I pulled my groin so I'm actually out of action again. It's so so depressing. I love playing football, but just back after a knee up and, and struggling. But nonetheless, get in touch with Jason for their fine equipment, Bang Olufsen and otherwise. He'll get you a great quote on whatever you're looking for in terms of home entertainment. Thank you to Cytoplan for the ongoing association with the podcast. If you're looking to optimize your immunity, we've taken Cytoplan's food-based supplements as the Draper family for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper. With the podcast, you get 30% off your first purchase 10% thereafter at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And uh, with the code at checkout is Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. Don't forget, we're also so intent on helping you enjoy life, teamed up with the Whole Man Academy, arranged for some lucky listeners to get a 100% free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, who does this professionally with people, but is doing five each month with the podcast Sport and Life. Go to the show notes and click on the link there. And if you're ever wondering about the importance of preserving loved ones' voices, their memories, their stories, then maybe you want to check out Attic Box Audio, which you can access through drapermedia.co.uk. And it's basically where I sit down with members of the public in a relaxed setting and just go through their life stories so that future generations can benefit from them, connect generations, something to preserve for posterity. Talking of uh, preservation, very pleased to say that we're joined on the podcast now by Adam Harper, former English boxing champion. He's not fought for a couple of years. We're all trying to persuade him to stay retired, but he's doing a lot with the sport, bringing it to kids around the county of Gloucestershire in particular, and is now looking to be a manager, has his manager's license. He's involved in a sport that he says saved him. And it's always a powerful story and always powerful to catch up with the one and only Adam Harper. Adam Harper, welcome back to the podcast. Great to see you in person. Yeah, you too, Ed. I think this is appearance three now, isn't it? I think it's it is, four, yeah. Three or four. I think it is. I think the last time was just before the Anthony Fowler fight, which I was saying is incredibly more than two years ago now. Everything's a blur with the lockdown and the pandemic, but that was that was a special night. Hard night for you, but a special yeah. special event. Two and a half years ago, it was um, the comeback that I was, you know, in my head I was destined for, and I was really looking forward to it. Obviously, training went well. Sparred brilliant, dieted great, my weight was perfect, but ultimately I just met someone who was far, far too superior for me on the night, and there's, there's no shame in that. I mean... He's got a big pedigree in the sport, is not he? Fowler yes. is an amateur and professional. And from what I gather, so I'd obviously hounded Eddie Hearn to give me... He gave me a... You know, so I'd fight any of his fighters. There was Kieran Conway on the list. I think Cheeseman was the original guy they were going to offer me. Yeah. Fowler... Mm, was Fitzgerald still in the mix? I don't know if Fitzgerald was in the mix, but... What's he up to now, Fitzgerald? Because he was <coughs> British champ for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I've heard he's coming back, but from what I've read in the... like, I get sent links by the boxers, we all talk, and I think he's got a court case in really? January 2023 for quite a serious offence. Whether he's done it or not, I'm not too sure. Yeah. I think if he passes, you know, gets 
sure. you're clear on the court case here box again but I think a lot of it's pending on I mean, that he, took, he, he did a good job on Fowler didn't he in their match actually he, did, he was very skillful yeah I think he just was got inside Fowler's head and not just that I mean he was you know Fitzgerald's a superior fighter as well and he was just probably all wrong for Fowler um, whereas I was all right for Fowler I think they had a list of people to box and from what I hear McGuigan picked me probably was laughing all the way to the bank because stylistically I was perfect for Fowler and my style just fitted him. I didn't really have a lot to, looking back now in hindsight, I didn't have a lot to really cause him problems. You, you earned Fowler's respect though in that fight, a lot of people's respect for just the sheer courage to keep keep going that long. Yeah, I mean, Ed, I was never ever going to, I was never going to quit and, you know, as much as, mm. I, you know, I wish, and my cornerman didn't pull me out, he knows I've always been about this, I've always said, I'd rather, you know, I'd go out, go out on my shield, I don't want to qu- quit and retire in a fight. Obviously, I wish to sometimes I wish look back and think, I wish you would have pulled me out. But he, he understands our foul, and I always said to him, I don't want to be pulled out of a fight. So he kind of, yeah, I, I know we both probably got a bit of stick on social media. I went back and read a few things on Twitter the next day, and um, but you know, he was under my instructions, never pulled me out of a fight, and he stuck to that part of the bargain. And I, you know, live by the sword, die by it. Atoro Gat is my favorite fighter, and you know, yeah. I'd rather go out on my shield. and Luckily, he didn't live, he didn't live young, uh, longer, did he, Gatti? That's the, the yeah, no, yeah. definitely not. And uh, you know, it's probably that kind of attitude just led to me having a pretty short career in the amount of fights I've had. Yeah. Um, How many total fights did you have? Eleven? Was it eleven? I had level eleven pro fights, but I had four four major fights in that, mm. including a Midlands English Commonwealth title fight. Fowler should have been a title fight, but it wasn't. But it was, you know, should have been British, should it? No, no, I don't think I'm good enough to win a British title. I think the current champion at the time was Cheeseman. Or who was it? It might have been Fitzgerald, actually. Yeah. I think it was Fitzgerald at the time. But I thought it might be one of these international title fights. But it never was. We were still co-main event for Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas. It was on a big stage. Yeah. So four major fights. I won two, I lost two, which is, you know, you've got to be What what was that like at the fight camp? Because it was such a unique time that will never probably, hopefully, happen in in boxing again. But Matchroom sort of pivoted with the lockdown and... And had it in their, their HQ in the garden at Maskell's there. It was unique because we were face-to-face with our opponents all week, which is strange because I was always used to being in the press conferences on fight week. Um, I never went to... I remember when I boxed Ryan Kelly, I never went to the open workout. That was the English title fight, was it? Midlands title Midlands fight. Title fight yeah. yeah, that's kind yeah. of like my breakout fight where I was a massive underdog. Which was the English title fight? Billy Bird. Billy Bird. And you won yeah. the Billy Bird fight, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I won yeah. the Billy yeah. Bird, won the Ryan Kelly. And obviously I lost to Zarafa, who's mm. now mandatory for Golovkin. <laughs> So like, and I lost it's not bad, points. is it? Not yeah, bad on so your CV. When you say it like this, and obviously Fowler is just far superior, and um, so yeah, fight camp was it was odd seeing Fowler face to face, and we'd exchanged a few tweets from early as 2014 when I remember the GB fighters got they almost got they got a, a walk like walk through to the quarterfinals, rightfully so because they were the GB boys, but me being the outspoken um, boxer that I was back then, put a tweet out saying they don't deserve this. Have to earn it, yeah. Yeah, Fowler piped up and. Then we exchanged a few tweets and then he popped back up again in 2018 when I was mandatory for the Commonwealth and I was due to go out to Australia and I turned down a fight for Fowler because I was mandatory for the Commonwealth title. So I was waiting my turn and now I think they offered me a little bit of money for an eight-rounder, which I said no because I've got my Commonwealth shot and then he piped up again on Twitter. So <laughs> we exchanged a few blows again verbally. So it was weird to be in the same kind of... Was there, was there anim- Would you think there was animosity between you before the fight? Um, or just a bit of... I'll be honest. It's like yeah, I didn't like Fowler at all. I didn't like his personality. I didn't like what he, how he came across his persona on camera and interviews. I thought he was very smug and arrogant. But since then, I will say, funny enough, 
Anthony Farrer and Supreme CBD actually sent me some free CBD gummy bears last week. So, and we speak quite a lot now. He's, he's actually quite a nice lad and um, we spoke straight after Yeah, do you think point. he's, is he conjured slightly a personality for boxing? Do you think that that's what we see? Maybe this is a slightly different, yes, different guy behind the scenes. He's actually not a bad lad. So like, I didn't really like him at all. And um, after the fight, I kind of grew to like him, even though he gave me an absolute hiding and taught me, a, you know, gave me a boxing lesson. Yeah. He's not a bad lad. He's not the kind of person he comes across on, on camera or interviews. He's quite a humble lad, to be fair. And he helps a lot of people out. From what I see with the CBD stuff, he's always helping out people who are con- mm. conditions, giving out free stuff. So sounds like I'm plugging Fowler in, doesn't yeah. it? But like, he is a nice guy and, you know, credit to him. And I, I hope he goes on. Have around. you tried those CBD things? I've never done uh, Yeah, it, I have. Relaxed so, you? I was on the um, Holland and Barrett stuff and Fowler mm. plugging his own stuff said, look, that stuff's rubbish. I'll send you some stuff through. Sent me some stuff and it seems to be doing all right. And yeah. then helping me. I had a good night's kip last night. So Oh, good. Yeah, listen, good. I'm not trying to... I'm not no, no, an no. ambassador yet. No, maybe just the general concept doesn't have to yeah. be the same. Maybe the same. I will be after this plug out, Ed, but and he'd, he'd make me a, uh, an ambassador <laughs> for him. But it is good stuff and I wish Fowler the best in his career. And I'd love it if he went on and you know, won a world title because then my only two defeats have come to... Yeah. world-rated opponents, which I still believe they are world-rated. Fowler's been ranked in the top... <coughs> apologies. Uh, no, top 15 in the world with some... I think the WBA at one point. So the only boys that have beat me have been world-rated lads. Yeah. And when you look back at that, I think we always admire fighters for courage and you, should, you demonstrate bags of courage in that fight. But sometimes it takes courage as well to, to walk away from something. How sobering was the experience for you? Was it kind of... Because you haven't fought since... And I suppose this is a this is a dangerous game, isn't it? Sometimes you have to take stock and uh, and walk away. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever publicly put it out there, but so after the fight, we got I got rushed to hospital. So they they thought they could see like a bleed within my ear, and yeah. it was just bruising. Um, where obviously Fowler lamped me quite a lot of times. So, but they thought it could have been a bleed on the brain, which is quite shocking. My wife to be my wife to be at the time mm. was outside with her dad waiting to pick me up, and then they saw the ambulance you know, tear past him and we went to hospital. It just turned out to be a bit of concussion. But yeah, of course it was scary. And um, But the real, I think it was more the realisation that I'd reached my peak really, Ed. And when you're, when you're led in a hospital bed two hours after the Fowler fight and no one really cares about you at that point. Credit to Eddie Hearn, he actually texted me the next morning yeah, saying um, I was a very hard couple of explicit words it's a complimentary yeah. way yeah. Um, but you know it makes you realise that boxing is only a sport it's not the be all and end all and it kind of made me realise that and I came to realisation that as much as I love boxing is it really worth yeah. the health risk I've achieved so much in the sport I only ever set out to win an English title which I've gone and done won a Midlands title against a very very good fighter in Ryan Kelly who's still boxing now um, up yeah. at middleweight so it just kind of made me realise do I, do I really want to do this? And since then, I've still got my license, I've still got my medical in play, I've passed my brain scan, but the desire's gone really. The best way I put it when people ask me, and a lot of people say, not so much anymore because it's been so long, but they say, you're going to fight again, or they used to say it. And the best way of putting it is, Fowler just punched the ambition out of me. I've sparred mm. since, I was doing a little bit of a training camp, I think I was five weeks into a training camp and my weight was pretty low again. But the ambition to get out of bed and run and go and diet is... It's, it's gone really you know it's not the same as it used to be how, how did you feel after that fight physically how long was it how long was the recovery um, well my face looked like I'd been hit with a shovel for the best part of two weeks and that was sore just sore every yeah, day yeah very sore yeah I think my you know my wife was icing my face most days and my eyes were puffy and I looked like the guy out of the Gooners Rock, Rocky Balboa yeah very much Balboa-esque so it was a tough day and it was a you know tough day in the office but 
you know, it's, it got me a lot of exposure and like I'd like to think it showed how, you know, brave and tough I was. Yeah. But um, Peter Buckley once said, anybody can be tough. It's not hard to be tough. And I think I've always displayed I've been tough. It's about I skills. I think there's a lot. I think there's millions of people who aren't that tough who wouldn't get in that ring and wouldn't keep well, coming at Anthony Fowler in that situation. Do you know? I think Ed, I think there would be a lot of people that would have jacked in when he got put when I got put down in round four and I've never been hit with a shot like it. It was almost like a bolt of lightning or a bolt of electricity just went straight through my body. And the next thing I'm looking was at was it body shot. <clears throat> no, it was um, it was a shot to the chin and right shot hand. To, yeah, I walked yeah. onto a right hand and um. I just remember looking up and seeing Ian John Lewis counting at five or six, thinking, shit, this has never happened and I shouldn't be down here. But, <laughs> you know, you've got to be in it to win it and he who dares wins and all that stuff. And Yeah, also in, in your sort of analysis of the situation, how much did you think about how much boxing had given you? Was the key not the titles and the prominence and the profile? It was more about what it gave you when you were a kid trying to find yourself. And you've talked on the podcast about not having parents to steer you that the sport kind of saved you in a way it's already given you that right it's not about the, the professional aspect to a certain extent yeah of course boxing's given me a superb life in a sense of I have earned a few quid out of it I've had some good fights in a, an alright career um, I wish I'd have done a bit better and boxed for a British title and some European titles and earned some real good money mm. um, but it's, it's helped me establish myself and I've, I've now got a career outside of boxing also using my degree and other qualifications I've got from going to university what's your degree in? Uniform public services, but I've got a teaching degree, a teaching qualification as well. Yeah. So I blended that together, and I'm, I now go around schools and do a couple of after-school clubs in schools, just giving uh, boxing qualifications and some sport qualifications. So that on top of boxing, I'm going to university. I've kind of always had one eye on after boxing, even from the very start when I turned pro at 26. I knew, and I was very aware and clever enough to realise nothing lasts forever. I knew mm. my career wouldn't last forever. I've had a style even in the amateurs where I took six punches to give one punch and I knew that I was almost on borrowed time from start to finish so I've always had my eye on yeah. the exit strategy finite amount of shots you can take yes and I think Fowler you know everyone has an expiry date and I probably was a little bit past my expiry date when I met Fowler but he just ex exposed me for being, not, I'm not going to say an average fighter, but... You know, you're not an average fighter you're an English champion yeah there was, there's levels in boxing though Ed is what I'm trying to say and Fowler's a little bit special and I was you know there's no shame in English mm. champion I think I'm a bit of a boxing nerd I think in Gloucestershire's history obviously you've got Aki Menis Brown who's yep. done massive things for the for the whole city really really rival really really he was rival. a bit unlucky to lose his title wasn't he do you think I think he was Rob Blind against Sam Maxwell I think it was disgusting yeah mm. um, but he's the the only guy in Gloucestershire that's ever won a British title outside of that there's only two other fighters that have won recognised mm. British boxing border control bouts and I'm talking area titles yeah up. Because he's challenged who, who's that? That's how Bagwell who won a northern area title or central area title back yeah. in the sixties, maybe. Yeah. And myself against Ryan Kelly in twenty seventeen. So there's three of us that have won recognised um, BBBFC titles. Unless my history is wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it's right because I've done yeah. my research on Boxrec. So I mean, I'm in the history. I'm trying to think of the guy from Gloucester who fought against uh, was it Chris Eubank Jr. and stuff. I don't know what. Johnny... Johnny Malfa. Malfa, yeah. Superb fighter. Yeah. I don't know if he won any titles. I might be no. wrong. He may well have No, no. Malfa was an ABA final. Yeah, he came over actually. Really, really nice guy. But he, he took some punishment, to be fair. Yeah, superb fighter, Johnny Malfa. He was kind of, the, you know, another guy that paved the way for the likes of me and Riddy to come through and put Gloucester on the map. But since then, Riddy's really done it, winning a British title. And, you know, I'd like to say I played a part in that, winning an English title, had a couple of TV appearances, been a bit of a big, bigger personality when I can be on TV. So I'd like to say... 
think I've played a part. And locally now in Gloucestershire, boxing's gone through the roofs. Still, we've got Aki yeah. Ennis Brown. John Pittman's got Max Mudway, who's a very talented fighter. I think he was due to fight for the Southern Area title this weekend. I don't know if he is still. Okay. Um, you've got Shabir Howdry or Hydri, I don't know how you pronounce mm. his name. Another good fighter. Um, oh, Shab. Is that call him Shab? Shab, he, yes. uh, Yeah, he coaches my nephew, actually. Yeah. Yes, he's a very talented fighter. Come from Afghanistan, hasn't he? I yes, yeah. he's an Afghanistan refugee. Uh, you've got Jack Bannister over with Todd Roberts, who's a former pro, who got to the ABA semis. And from what I saw and what I've heard, he was ripped off bad against a Liverpool really? kid. He's just turned pro. And then, for me, the standout kid who's coming through from Gloucester is a lad called Brad Ingram, who's originally from the Gloucester City gym and he's, he was coached by a guy called Sean Holmes who has been like the go-to guy locally. He's produced mm. like national champion after national champion in the amateurs and Brad, Brad, in, Brad Ingram is like, uh, for me, the standout one who's going to come through and be the next British champion in the area. Very talented lad. Um, yeah, super amateur and he's a kid that if I had to say someone and pick someone who's going to come through the area. What weight class is he? Welterweight. Welterweight. So we might even see him and Max Mudway somewhere down the line. Yeah. It's a, a local showdown, isn't it? But for me, Brad Ingram's the one to watch out for. He's a, a very talented kid who could go all the way, win a British title and all that stuff. You mentioned really, really rival and, and that contentious decision that you say he was he was robbed in. A difficulty that really seems to have to a certain extent is he's not stopping opponents. There's always that vagary of the, the scorecards, isn't there? That subjectivity. Yes. Is that something that you think w w was a problem for you, a challenge for you? Because you can think you've done great in a fight, but actually, if you go to the scorecards, you're never quite sure. It's as you like it, they say, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ryan Kelly, Billy Bird, I think I won the fights. Mm. I'm not going to say I won them easy, but I think I beat Ryan. Ke I think I beat him by a few rounds in a 10 round fight. I won it by two rounds. I personally think I won it, won it by three or four rounds. Yeah. It definitely went to, you know, as a away fighter. So, they say you start a couple of rounds behind. I, I thought I won it by three or four. Billy Bird, one judge had it 96 or 97, 93. One judge had it a draw. Mm. And I can't mention names. <laughs> it's, the same, a, it's the same event, isn't it? That's the Yeah, moment. and I yeah. just couldn't see where the draw came from. I, again, I, I thought I won it by three or four rounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the unfortunate part for Riddy is... He, he isn't a massive puncher, but he's got dazzling skills. A superb yeah. fighter. Super so tall boxer. for the weight as well. Massive for the weight. Yeah. But, you know, he's in, and he's in a bit of no man's land now. Who's going to want to box him? Because I certainly wouldn't want to box him if I was in his weight. Yeah. If you he, don't bring a purse, but you bring a danger of a defeat, it's yes. a difficult situation for a boxer to be in. Maximum risk, no reward. Because now he hasn't got his British title yeah. that was wrongfully taken away from him. He's everybody's worst nightmare. Why, why would you want to box him? I can't see why anybody would. So he's in a difficult position. I don't know who's... It's obviously MTK have folded. I, mm. I don't know who looks after Akeem Ennis Brown now in his promotional status or his manager. Yeah, I have to message status. him and find out, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I feel for him because he's. it's almost like he's had his career stalled even more. I mean, no one really wanted to box him before, but he had the backing of MTK. Then he gets a British title and everybody wants to get a piece of them. You know, you become the man and nobody wants to fight, but you've got a target on your back because you've got the most prestigious bout in yeah. British boxing or world boxing. They have to, yeah, they have to come. Everybody wants you then. So, But now he's lost that. He's back at the back of the queue and who's going to want to go near him? For yeah. me, I definitely wouldn't want to go near him. He's too tricky, awkward and a very, very skillful fighter. He is, absolutely. We're wishing the, the best of luck yes. with, with that. You, you've alluded to the danger, the damage you suffered against Anthony Fowler of boxing. For people who have not listened to your story and didn't listen to the first podcast we did, just remind everyone what boxing has given you because I think it's important in the equation there are people out there who rightfully will say oh this causes CTE brain damage we should outrule it we should rule out rugby MMA all these sports that cause damage 
but what what has been the story for you what impact has the sport made on you well yeah so originally Ed I was kicked out at 16 just fell out with my mum for various reasons she was a single parent couldn't cope so went a bit wayward out partying drinking with my friends causing you know anti-social behaviour causing trouble got in a bit of trouble with the police nothing too major just out with you know a couple of scuffles here and there yeah ended up in court luckily got away with it like I've said previously but then I found boxing and it kind of saved me stop drinking um, stop going out causing trouble just being a, an idiot and a lout really I was you know just a bit of a lost soul <laughs> yeah like a lot of kids to be fair yeah a lot of, yeah. Lot of young young men or yeah. older teenagers Just I was just a lost soul and was going out but never really had any guidance to say don't do this do that and when I found boxing it got me on the straight and narrow went to university came out to turn pro with my boxing and it's just given me a lot of guidance now and I'm teetotal, don't drink, haven't had a drink for eight and a half years, never touched a drug or smoked in my life but it's just given me that bit of discipline, albeit I still like my chocolate as you can see it. Um, Good for you. But yeah, it's just given me a lot of guidance and it's given me a direction where I want to go and that's the main thing boxing has given so albeit there's a lot of risks and you know you could argue Fowler was a lucky escape after my original brain scan change but a lot of fighters have gone on since and had brain scan changes <clears throat> you know take that out of it it's given me a great life and a great platform to go out and you know try and help young people I get a, a big kick I, I've got a boxing clever program I run in Chooksbury now where young people train for free um, wow we what, how often is that? every once a week well we do once a week is a boxing clever program where anybody can come and train we normally get 50 to 60 kids every Wednesday over three sessions come off the streets and then on a Friday night I get between 10 and 15 where they're the young people that are going to look to try and compete yeah. eventually because I've got all my England boxing coaching badges um, so eventually I'll hopefully become affiliated um, and we've got a couple of young people who will box. But how, how do you manage to do that for free? Do you, is it just purely out of generosity of your own heart out so, of, outside of the work? Originally, so I, I can get the hall for free of charge off, yeah. the, off the Paris Council um, and then I put a lot of money into it. I think my wife was on the verge of leaving me at one point. I was putting <laughs> yeah. too much money into it. I bought so much kit. I've had an old sponsor reach out. So we've got top of the range kit. Um, and then any money that comes in. So we've got we've had t-shirts recently. We've had a bit of money back. We're now going to get a ring through like donations for the t-shirts. Um, but yeah, just operate every week. And then any money that does come in, we buy a new kit. If you saw the kit, Ed, it's, it's as good as a professional gym. Like, wow. The, the stuff we've good got. Good for you. Where, whereabouts is this? Uh, it's in Chooksbury at a youth club. Youth club, what's it yeah. called? Is Northway it Youth Club. Northway Youth Club. Yeah. Um, so you, have you still got spots there if people want to bring their kids down? Um, I have for the older session to the year seven to year 11 groups. Only people within education can train for free. Okay. Because obviously it's a youth club, I can't be letting adults in. Yeah. But the other two sessions are chock-a-block. I've probably got about four, four spaces left in the year seven to 11 group. Yeah. But we have a mixture of, we've got some travellers that come down, we've got a couple of Asian boys that come down, like we've got a real mix and it's brilliant. You know, we've got a, mixing the community and everyone clubs in together trains hard what, and what impact has it made on those kids what have you noticed well listen Ed, I'm going to tell you it's made a <laughs> yeah, great impact yeah. and, but I believe it has you know. but just a sport yeah, not not sort of being self-aggrandising about yourself but just what you see the, the difference it makes to them I believe it's given them a bit of discipline and it's given them a bit of self-worth they come down they seem enthusiastic physically they're changing I can see that because we train hard twice a week the guys that come down on a Friday as well um, yeah I believe it's having a massive impact mentally their behaviour at homes. I have a couple of young guys in my first session and I tell a few white lies and say, you know, if you don't tidy your bedroom, you're not allowed down and stuff <laughs> like that. So m- mum can use that as a tool. They say that, imp- you know, behaviour's improved at home, improved yeah. at school. That then led to local primary schools contacting me because I don't know if you've seen that, but they get these big replica WBC title bouts on my Instagram. 
Ah, my local I, haven't seen, I have to put them. I haven't seen those. So like they're they're winning these box for the week title bouts, which cost an arm and a leg as well. And wow. they take these into school. So the schools contacted me. A couple yeah. of primary schools. Do you feel like you're repaying a debt for what it gave you? Is that why you're doing it so much? Yeah, listen, philanthropically. One hundred percent. I love the thought that I'm giving back and. Obviously, I, I've now reaped the reward a bit. I go into a couple of primary schools and do after-school clubs. Yeah. Not that that pays a superb wage, but, I, you know, I, I've now gained something from giving back to the community because local schools have contacted me and I go in and do some after-school clubs. I've also done some holiday clubs. Do you have girls? Do girls have a do it? About a couple of girls. I've got yeah. one girl in particular who comes in my year 7 to 11 um, who does understand the risks of what boxing can, the damage yeah. it can cause. So she, I don't think she's got any interest in competing, but very talented. Yeah. She just does it for her Duke of Edinburgh, the sport aspect of the Duke of Edinburgh award. Mm. So we're ticking all the boxes. It's if young people are helping get qualifications, they also get the GB Boxing Awards, which is endorsed by ASDAN. Um, so that can be used to support BTEC Sport, PE Sport, ASDAN Sport. Yeah. So I'm ticking the boxes in every... And it's it's great. You, do you get a sense that the schools and the parents are getting more receptive to boxing now? They're seeing, particularly for young boys, what it can give them in terms of discipline and outlet for that energy and that kind of aggression. Yes, I believe so. And some of the schools have said it's great for them. And But like I said, I've had some parents just say, look, we don't really want our children boxing. And I 100% understand that, Ed. I'd never push it yeah. on them. But you're not sparring with these kids, are you? No, no, we no. don't. So I've got a couple of boys who we train. We actually travel up to Birmingham to my old professional gym, BCB, uh, which is ran by Errol Johnson. They've got an amateur set up. So we travel up to them one or two times a week where I've got two young boys who are carded and we box out. You know, we train up mm. there twice a week and we train down at ours once a week. So a couple of them have sparred. A couple of, one has competed. He's had a skills bout. Um, but the rest, no, it's all non-contact. So pads, bags, very heavy circuits, the kind of training that I was doing as a professional because, you know, it's all the stuff that gets them fitter, stronger. It improves their mental and their physical well-being, yeah. which yeah. is everything that the Boxing Clever program stands for, just to, you know, give them yeah. a better opportunity. How much, how much belief do you have in the adage, boxing saves more than it takes, saves more lives than it takes? Because that's something that anyone that's involved in boxing, even on the media side for me, I think you have to hold true, don't you? Because it gives you the, the faith in the sport when there are tough moments, when you hear a fighter goes into a coma or whatever it might be. I think if you believe that, that it is overall doing good, you, you keep committed to it. Yeah, of course. Listen, Ed, 100%. There's so many more pros and you know positives and negatives, but... I don't know if you saw the week that um, Eubank Jr. put Nick Blackwell into a coma. Yeah, I'm sure I saw an interview where Eubank Senior said the same week three cyclists died in a in a race. Mm. Um, a sportsman die in every yeah. sport, women and men. So you know we can be morbid and look at the negatives, and look, yeah. there are huge risks. Getting punched in the head isn't good for anybody. I'm more than aware of that, and I'd like to think a lot of boxers are more than aware. You, know, of that. you have to know when to walk away, don't you? Yeah, you do have to know when to walk away. 100. percent but we can't just ban a sport that's been so good to so many people and given so many people opportunities mm. just because of a few risks. Because there are risks to everything. I could walk out of this podcast now and get hit by a truck. Yeah, I hope and I it, don't. And but. if you don't have a discipline, you don't have a channel of that energy and aggression like you're alluding to there, a lot of young men in particular, maybe young women as well, but young men in particular, we, we, we were young men, so we know that energy. You can get involved in, in trouble, can't you? Which can take you off, can impact society negatively, impact your chances negatively. Of course. And... Uh, without that discipline and focus 100 percent, ed and if we if you look at the rippling effect so if we talk about locally in gloucestershire you've got in Cheltenham, you've got a couple of gyms you've got rough diamond which is rob Lockie, you've got kings which is sean martin the impact of the work those gentlemen are doing and their coaches i'm not sure who their coaches would be but the teams there of 
Rob Lockie and Sean Martin in Cheltenham will have a rippling effect on the community in yeah. Cheltenham, a positive one. You then go to Gloucester with John Pittman, Amin Khan, who's got Truth Boxing Club, Sean Holmes at Gloucester City, Todd Roberts at Baker Street. The good impact they're having on their communities is massive. So the damage that it can cause for some individuals in the sense of uh, the Fowler fight's probably taken a year or two off my life. I, d I don't know about it. I don't really want to know what damage is done, but it's probably done something. Although your body repairs, doesn't it? That's the thing. It, <coughs> if, you, if you get out at the right time, you do repair. Yeah, I'd like to think I've, not that I have retired, but I'd like to think that if I have, if I won't ever box again, that I've got out at the right time. But mm. the, now the positive impact that the boxing I've, I can give back to my community, is it worth the damage? I'd say it is worth the damage because I'd like to think that I'm producing champions in and outside of the ring. The community will get stronger, just like all the the men and that I've mentioned in Cheltenham and Gloucester that they do in their local area, they're having a massive positive impact on their communities. Yeah. What do you think of MMA? Is that complementary or competitive to grassroots boxing? How do you see that? Listen, I think it's all good. Ed. Any form of discipline, sport and martial arts, I think it's great for you. Self-defence, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, and listen, I saw Pat Barrett said, no one owns boxing, no one owns martial arts, no one owns anything, do we? It's, we're mm. all just trying to give back to our communities and create the next champion in, in and outside the ring. So if that be through MMA... Brilliant. Had Christian Duncan over recently for the middleweight Cage Warriors champion. Fantastic, okay, right. fantastic guy, yeah. Really up and coming. Under Mark Weir, who was a UFC pioneer. Mark Weir's a big name in Gloucester, isn't yeah, it? And then yeah. you obviously have Ronnie Mann, who's based maybe in Eversham now, I'm oh, not too okay. sure, but Ronnie Mann was based at Trojan Free Fighters a few years ago. He's been on, I don't know if he's been on UFC, but he was like quite linked with Shea yeah. Mills and those guys trained together. But yeah, you know, you've got Shea Mills and... Ronnie Mann, the, the, you know, Gloucestershire as an area is getting booming at the minute for combat sports and credit to everyone who's involved, coaches, fighters and the, the fans that pay to go and watch all these people because it's everyone that makes it all happen together. It's one big team and family, really. Absolutely. And talk to us about being a boxing manager now because you've coached now, you're coaching kids, but you've also, you've got your qualifications to potentially coach people. You're looking at the management side of it or the business side of boxing, help people there? Yeah, so I've just been granted my... British Boxing Board of Control Managers license, which Congratulations. is wicked. Yeah, no, thank you. So obviously, when I first hung up the gloves and I've tried out the refereeing side, I, I just felt like that wasn't for me. So then I've come back into the boxing, and I always wanted to manage myself. I do believe, to a degree, I did manage myself. I got myself the Fowler fight by ringing up Eddie Hearn personally. I got myself a Commonwealth title shot in Australia. Yeah, I've always been quite proactive hunting for fights, and I'd love the thought to help a lot of fighters out now there's so many I've got friends in boxing who have had 100 fights 200 fights mainly the journeyman guys they don't even have a mortgage yet. They, they've not yeah. saved their money they've not been sensible and for what me, do they box every two weeks like 300 quid do they something like is that um, or less I don't want to go into finance no, no uh, well no, you don't have to give no yeah no because people don't know what that life is like it, it's alleged that you can box once a week and it's alleged that you can pick up around a thousand pounds a weekend mm. so we're talking a lot of money if you've had over a hundred fights yeah. um you know a thousand so you could pounds. you could get a, well you maybe could get a mortgage but it's difficult with the paperwork to but it's a lot of these yeah. a lot of these journeymen work at the same time so that isn't their full-time job they'll be working and boxing on the road every week allegedly yeah. picking up one thousand pounds that's a lot of money and they're not always the they're not always not talented. Sometimes they're just steered in that direction because they're not selling big tickets. Is of course, that, that yeah. right? Yeah. If you don't sell tickets, you're not getting paid. So <clears throat> if we look at people like Lewis Van Pooch, who's a well-established journeyman, I think mm. he's close to 200 fights now, I think. Um, it's a lot, is, isn't it? It's a lot of fights and it's a lot of trauma, which upsets me. But he's um, he's obviously couldn't sell a lot of tickets from what I gather. I think he lost his third fight or second fight. Mm. And he just said going on the road what he wants to do and he's had a few upsets this year I think he's beat six unbeaten kids and 
just that's the route they want to take because they can't sell tickets or whatever. is that the guys that you want to help anyone really whether you're a prospect um, I want to take the minimal percent whether that be five percent this isn't about money to me I've, I've got a job and um, I live a pretty boring you've, life you've got a family though as well so they'll be t- that is true be t- yeah. but it won't be my full time job yeah. so boxing it will never be my full time job um, you think it'll be the coaching with the full time job um, yeah, I'm not too sure really. I'd, just, yeah. I'd go and be a dustbin manufacturer with money. I think boxers should be able to walk out of the sport with yeah. a mortgage at least mm. and money saved and investments not being. That's just my opinion. No. I, I don't, you know, I think it's criminal that I, I hear some people, the percentages that they're paying and stuff like that. It's, for me, it's, it's difficult to. Well, man- managers charging too much. Yeah, I, I believe so personally because it's not hard to go on box rec and ring a couple of managers up and get a fight. Like, I might be. I haven't, I haven't signed anybody yet. I haven't even been proactive to sign anybody. But And I might be ousted before I get there because I'll be quite outspoken and say, I don't believe anybody should be paying anywhere, nowhere near more than 10%. 10% should be the maximum you pay a manager. Yeah. Because everybody knows each other in the and sport. And they often have to pay a trainer as well, don't you, out of that? Yeah. And I, do you know what? I'll never train anybody as a professional. Really? Because the time it consumes is as much as a, being a fighter yourself. You're in the gym four or five times yeah. a week. Take the running out of it because you don't go running with them. And doing that for ten percent, I, I don't think it's worth. You don't think the numbers work out for the? Trainers. No, I think the coaches are more hard done by than the managers. Yeah, the managers sit on their nice warm sofa, go on box rec, make a couple of phone calls or texts. Yeah, and there's fights. Fights agreed. And you can manage more people than you can coach, probably time wise. Yeah, it, yeah, it must be a lot. It, listen, it's easy for me to say now because I'm, I haven't got anybody on my books. But for me, coaches deserve every penny they get. For managers to take anything more than ten percent, I, I don't agree. I'm sure I've, I've seen Paul Smith say something similar. Um, I think it's ludicrous if you get more than ten percent as a manager. Just my opinion. Yeah. So, so you, would you relish the opportunities to bang the drum for a fighter or fighters and, and get them the best, the best situation? A hundred percent. Ed, listen, I've had my career. Whether I fight again or not, we never know. I don't know. I know you've I, still got your license, haven't you? But... I still got my license. I don't think I will box again. But for me now, it's about helping out other fighters. And if that means them paying me the minimal amount, them cashing in but saving up for a mortgage. Mm. Having a house for me, that's generally hand on my heart what it's all about because I just think it's it's a, cr- a dying, you know, a massive crime that so many fighters walk out the game with no mortgage, with with nothing to show for it apart from a few nice clothes that they probably outgrow when they put on weight when they retire and whatnot. <laughs> and it's just yeah, I think it's it upsets me. It does upset me when I've seen friends who have walked out the game with nothing. It's yeah, it's what, upsetting. What do you think about the ethics of of journeyman boxing? Generally, because people will say there's there's a pressure on them not to win fights. You mentioned your friend has, has overturned a few prospects, things like yeah. that. And there's a sense of they're often fighting people who are bigger than them because, as you say, they're fighting every week, so they're not boiling down, whereas a prospect might have a camp and then come down from a, a smaller weight, make weight, swell up a little bit on fight night. So they're kind of often taller and, and longer, aren't they, than the, 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 the journeyman. How do you feel about the situation? Is it something that should be allowed to continue is it is it fair is it journeyman yeah listen Ed, without journeyman without lewis van pooches kevin mccauley's there's a there's a new guy jordan granham is like the, was a go-to yeah. guy william warburton there's a new guy on a block called carl sampson from up in yorkshire somewhere he's beaten a, he won three on the bounce i think he's the first journeyman in 70 years or 60 years to win three on the bounce something crazy oh, does like. that count against him or does it well from what i've heard i don't think the phone's been ringing for a few weeks now because he's beaten everybody so no one wants to risk it against him Everyone wants but to you've got that. to believe as a fan that every fight, there's a chance it goes both ways, right? That's the whole point. And a prospect needs to be tested. But... As a fan, Ed, yes, but you, we've got to understand professional boxing is a business. So yeah. A journeyman is brought into, like myself, I was got to 7-0 boxing 
you know, I don't want to call them idiots because I'm very good mates with Pooch and I boxed him, but I boxed, boxed seven people. I was I was a man of beat. There was no real risk there for me because I had a 10-week camp. They got told of about two or three weeks' notice. It's just part of the business. You've got to build people up to then... Yeah. And then there's the other part of the, the game, I guess. So, like, I was using very low-level journeymen who'd won five out of 80 or 60, and then people like me get bought in for people like Fowler who've got a nice record, but on paper... It looks competitive, but Fowler was always going to beat me. So it's just, mm. it's just the nature of the business, and I definitely think it should continue because that's the way. And some of these people can make a lot of money out of it, and they can be sensible. The journeymen's are the guys who make all the money out of the sport. So yeah, listen, I think it should continue. That's just part of professional yeah. boxing. It's just interesting to compare and contrast boxing because it's been around for hundreds of years with MMA, which has started in the '90s effectively and has got these franchises: UFC, PFL, Bellator and more and what what they try and do is they orchestrate everything from the top down and it's kind of like you know a fighter has a schedule almost will give you the fixtures you got for the year whereas boxing there's so many moving parts in it and so many kind of sort of murky aspects to it because you've got every fight has to be made you've got various promoters various managers all these people going into the pot aren't they whereas you know it's not like a governing body can just say right this fight this fight xyz and you'll get five a year it's it's, it's a complex procedure it's snakes and ladders ed so I wish it was people wanted to fight the best, but you won't get that in boxing. It's very... Uh, we can use Aki Menace Brown as a prime example. So Yeah, he should be given an opportunity as a sort of... definitely should be given an opportunity. Yeah. So I think I saw on his Instagram, he was said he liked the look of the new European champion. Like, mm. former British champion, only ever been beaten on points when he shouldn't have been beaten because he beat Sam Maxwell. Should definitely be given another, another opportunity to box maybe for a European title. Will he get it? Not in a month for Sundays will he get it. Stylistically, he's all wrong for everybody on the planet. Mm. He brings he brings maximum risk, no reward. So, but it should be a bit more like UFC. All the yeah. best guys fight each other. And so some boss says sort of mandates it from the top. Yes. So it's not like a fighter can have the but decision to avoid people. Sadly, we've got different governing bodies, whether it's WBA, IBF, and then it's never going to happen. And then it's so easy for people to pull out of fights and go a different route. It's, it's crazy. The business of boxing is quite dark and uh, dingy at times. So who, wh- where do you go for managing fighters? Are you looking around now? Are you going to gyms? Um, or are you? Sp- I'm not going to, to gyms. I, I start, this is my first like podcast or interview. Yeah. I'll probably, I put it out last week when I got my license on the Wednesday or the Thursday. Um, I know a couple of guys that haven't got a managerial contract at the minute who did speak to me. They're talking about maybe coming back in the new year and stuff like that. And I've worked with a couple of people in the past who have said they want to turn pro. So, I will look to in the new year proactively start. I don't want to use the word hunting, but chasing yeah. opportunities. And how much will you expect from the fighters as well in terms of keeping up their end of the bargain? Well, listen, Ed, for me, I guess it all depends on what, what a fighter really wants. So I came to, I found Errol Johnson and I said, all I want to do is win an English title. That was, and I, I said I'd box anybody to do it and I'd mm. get there however I had to do it, which I did. I kept up my end of the bargain. Keep yourself fit, keep training hard. But I guess, listen... It, but they, they've got to be fit. They've got to be making weight. They've got to be professional, haven't they, for you to, to put yourself out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess it all depends what kind of box you're going to get. If you're going to get an away fighter who just wants to stay safe and they're going to keep their weight down, your job is just to look after them as best you can. Minimal risk. Yeah. Maximum reward. Reward coming in finances, risk coming in damages by punches. So you, and w- would you be there fight night with the, the ones you're managing, you think? I'd like to think so, Ed. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. the whole the whole beauty of it being Just involved. Make in. sure the referee's hot on early stoppages, potentially things like that. Yeah. And I want to be involved to keep myself. Listen, I love boxing. I, I still love boxing. I'm a massive boxing fan. I want to be involved without getting punched in the head. 
just so I can get my buzz still, which is what I get through my boxing clever. And yeah. hopefully I get through my manager's side. I, I can't see myself going into the coaching route unless a couple of my boxing clever kids maybe come through the the conveyor belt system, the Harper system, who knows? But that's obviously a few years down the line. What do you miss most about competing? Being in shape. I saw um I follow a page on Facebook and it was about Joe Calzaghi and well and it's about all fighters, but there was a post about Joe Calzaghi and he said he just misses having something to do. So I miss getting up and going running in the morning, running up the hills. Could you not do that just for fun? I could do it for fun, Ed, but there's a big difference between knowing Anthony Fowler's coming through yeah, a yeah. fight camp and knowing... It, it's funny with people who have been fighters and probably athletes of any type, but it, it's more difficult for them than lay people to, to exercise because lay people just do it as a matter of course for itself. Whereas if you've been an athlete, there's always been an end goal that, that's the, the, the target. And it's not about, I want to be able to bench press 10 pounds more it's actually I'm going to go and fight someone or I'm going to run in the Olympics it's a different different kind of motivation yeah I've, lo- I've lost that little bit of drive so I still I'll probably run twice a week I can still do a six mile run albeit a lot slower than I used to do when I was training for Fowler so I still keep myself relatively fit I might go down and hit the bags for half an hour before a mm. session starts it's good for your mental health yes yeah, very movement. the exercise is superb for your mental well-being um, but the desire to get up and eat 50 grams of porridge with a scoop of protein powder <laughs> instead of a bowl of cocoa pops. It's just slightly changed now. And that's yeah. because yeah. I haven't got the, the fear factor of a Fowler or a Ryan Kelly or a new title about to pick up. It does change. And you want to enjoy yourself a little bit, I presume. Yeah, but I've had a two and a half year sabbatical <laughs> of enjoying myself. So I do need to rein it in a little bit. Um, but yeah, listen, I miss I miss being able to go, wanting to go running, wearing my sweatsuit, being layered up, feeling good, looking in the mirror and having, you know, a physique that you should be really proud of but life moves on and my, my new ambition now is to help fighters who are coming through and for them to achieve whether it be titles if they're a prospect financial gain if they're a journeyman I just want to be able to help fighters with the listen I've always been proactive I've always been chasing fights for myself and I'm getting told off every day for being on <laughs> box wreck in bed and stuff looking saying oh that'd be a good fight for him or her or this and that so the it's four- passion though, that drives you through you can do yeah, something yeah hopefully Ed you can see it in me and how yeah. I talk I'm very passionate about I love boxing and to be involved in maybe someone else's career steering them to whether it be a Midlands title or a Southern Area title an English title again or a British title or whether it just be a journeyman seeing them get a deposit on their first house everything's a victory for me and if it can help somebody else achieve their goals and the young people that I deal with every week at the Boxing Clever programme if they're going on and getting an apprenticeship or yeah we do go on and have a few amateur bouts together and they win a, a area title or a national title and turn pro. I've done my job and that's all I want to do. I just want to generally help people. Like I've, I've done it a lot. I've sponsored a few pros since I've, since a foul fight, bought them shorts, bought them kits, oh, stuff mate, like that. And so like, I do generally enjoy giving back and helping out and that's what I want to do now with the management side. If I was in it for money, I'd be trying to charge fighters 20%, 25%, mm. 15%. I want, like I keep saying, minimal money for maximum work they're going to get out of me I'll be probably getting paid less than minimum wage and, and the rest but hey, well, can, yeah you got to look after yourself as well there's nothing no, of course, wrong listen, with that but if you can just be involved with a passion and a hobby and take a little bit of pocket money home whether it be an away fighter a journeyman fighting every week and you get 40-50 quid everyone's a winner aren't you because yeah. you need to help them go on and fulfil their potential if that means buying a house or starting up a business or whatever it may be I don't know how that looks to every individual person but I'm very passionate about boxing's a very very tough sport and I've had mm. my face you know disfigured now and my nose is all bashed up my face is I've probably lost 
a fair few thousand brain cells. <laughs> you look well, you sound well, you're talking well, you're very lucid, so that's good. Always no, good for an you. ex-fighter, yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. And the main thing is, I want other people to be able to leave the sport with something. I think, like I keep saying, it's a dying crime when people walk away with the from the sport with nothing to show for it. Mm. And that's my biggest thing. I want away fighters, prospects to walk away, even if it's just a mortgage on a house. And I know with everything going on in the world right now, it's difficult to get to that position. But yeah. if you haven't got money in the bank and you retire from boxing with nothing to show for it, for me, it's very, very upsetting. And I, I don't think it should be happening. No, you carry a lot of a lot of physical and mental scars as well sometimes from from, from tough fights. So you've got, the, you've got the coaching, the kids, you're going to schools as well. You've potentially got fighters that you want to manage is there a central place for people to come and reach you if they want to, if they're interested in, in getting in touch about any of those things? Twitter, Instagram, I don't know. I'm not yeah. really hot on social media. Adam, what is it? Because you're private on Instagram though, aren't you? I'm private on everything. Yeah, I'm very low key. I don't really use a lot of. So can uh, they message you on Instagram? Yeah, without still, being connected yeah, to you. And Twitter, a Harper nineteen eighty eight on Twitter, um, Instagram, Adam Harper. You're sure you'll find my account. You can definitely send me DMs, and I'd always reply to any fighters or any unattached professionals or amateurs looking to make the journey over to the transition over to professional boxing i'd love to help anybody out um definitely yeah i mean you're looking forward to working with some of these sharks and and these these tough negotiators i don't know if i'm blocked by eddie hearn now (laughs) because i i think at one point i had 40 unread messages on whatsapp so he might have blocked me and all this but i just want to be involved in boxing and help out as many can you imagine how many he gets yeah, listen, he must have. No, I know, just thinking about like the job. I mean, he's doing very well for himself, don't get me wrong. He's, he's living a nice life, but still, it uh, must be a lot of communication. You have to deal with it. I think I'm in the uh, the archive box in his, his WhatsApps where he's blocked me <laughs> off and he doesn't, because he never replied, he'll never used to reply to me in the end. So, yeah, listen, I'm looking forward to getting in the mix and what this may lead to. Currently, I mean, we've got the Nielsen brothers who are from Swindon, they look after... Mm, they've got a show coming up on Saturday, haven't they? Yes, in Swindon. And then I, I think they're going to do shows in Gloucester. So I know they obviously manage yeah. and promote Brad Ingram, who's a lad I said, who's for me the one to watch in Gloucestershire. Yeah, Mark Nielsen's been on the podcast actually, yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. I don't know if I've listened to that one, Ed. No, we'll um, go back oh, a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, it's listened. nice. So, yeah, but he's a successful businessman. He does it again for passion. Again, yeah. So these guys look after their fighters. I haven't ever heard mm. a bad story about them. So they've obviously got Brad Ingram, who's local... Max Mudway goes on all their shows, although Max is managed by John Pegg. He's always on the Nelson shows, as is... John Pegg, who... Sam, Sam Egerton. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, Shab as well with John Pegg, but always on the Nelson shows. And then I believe they Which just... John Pegg's based in Birmingham, though, is he? Yeah, he's a yeah. Birmingham-based manager and trainer. And then they've now got Jack Bannister, who's under Todd Roberts okay. at Baker Street, who's just turned pro. So... You know, with that, they've got a lot of local boxers. So I, I believe local boxing will be coming back to Gloucester again. And, you know, Gloucester boxing will be back on the rise. And you've obviously got Kid Pittman, Jay Pittman, who yeah. I, I would have thought would be looking to... Get it in the Cheltenham Theatre around the corner from here. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, listen, we'll have to get <laughs> Mark Nielsen on the pod and get some ideas to yeah, him. But yeah, yeah. it's looking like it's going to go big and get better, Ed. Brilliant stuff. Well, it's brilliant to see you, Adam. It's a great story. I think, you know, the courage you showed to, to rise from really difficult teenage years through the sport, to be English champion, the courage to get in there with Fowler... And now I think, you know, the courage to, to call it a day, but invest yourself in helping other other people, other young boys and, and girls is, is powerful, mate. Thank you. No, I appreciate your time, Ed. Thank you. Good man. Cheers, mate. What a man, Adam Harper, doing some great work in the community in Gloucestershire through the spectrum of boxing, through the kind of focal lens of boxing and powerful and really appreciate his time coming over get in touch with him if you are looking to get your kids into boxing the discipline not necessarily the head contact which i think is obviously a health concern that we have all share about sparring but 
just the kind of coordination, self-defense, self-confidence, self-respect, discipline that it can encourage. Brilliant work from from him. And if you're a boxer looking to for a manager, he's out there now. He's getting uh, get involved in the business, and he's got everyone's best interests at heart. Very caring compassionate guy so appreciate his his time thank you for listening if you want to rate the podcast on itunes if you enjoyed it great at spotify or any other platform you're listening to or just tell a friend thank you for being here thank you to the sponsors bang nolofson of cheltenham and serene av specialists in some of the finest home entertainment solutions providing uh, solutions based around high quality service and installations well, thank you also to cytoplan if you're looking to optimize your immunity remember cytoplan.co.uk discount code at checkout 30 percent off supplements 10 percent thereafter draper 10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters numbers one zero and the capital letter r remember the free mentoring sessions available via the link in the show notes to anthony asprey of the whole man academy if you're ever feeling stuck, he says, or not exactly where you want to be in life, this could be for you. And Attic Box Audio, the idea of preserving loved ones' memories, sitting down with myself, having a good conversation about their life story so that it's saved intact in their own voice. Maybe you want to check that out via drapermedia.co.uk. That's Attic Box Audio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.